Good morning, I greet you in Jesus' name. I was scheduled to be in Floyd County this morning. I think that was mentioned already this morning here. And Brother Eli was to be here. But uh, with the forecast being what it was, we thought maybe it would be wiser to uh, each stay in our respective places. I called Eli this morning about 9.30 just to check on the weather over there. And uh, they had canceled services already. The, uh, it was sleeting and snowing, and the temperature was around 28 degrees. And it was above freezing here. I imagine that the temperatures are falling. I don't know whether it will get to freezing or not. I've really appreciated the service already here this morning. The, uh, in our men's class, we, we looked at uh, the story of the uh, crucifixion, uh, a compilation, a, chron a chronological uh, collection of, of scriptures telling the stories from the different gospels. And um, it is a powerful story. I was, um, I noticed that, <clears throat> that our uh, last son is, Sunday school lesson was from John 18. And since we didn't have that uh, Sunday school class, I, I thought we would pull a few verses from John 18. We'll not stay there, but I'd like to notice a few verses from the story with uh, where Jesus was before Pilate. John 18, beginning at verse 33. <clears throat> John 18, beginning at verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from thence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? One of the things that impresses us, impressed us in the men's class, as we read this story, here stood Jesus before Pilate, and all around him were these angry and hateful and wicked people, some of them a pilot, a heathen of some sort, and many religious Jews around, religious people uh, claiming to uh, 
uh, know the truth. And Jesus standing there, the truth. And Pilate asking him, what is truth? It appears that he didn't wait uh, for the answer, but he went out again. Jesus came to tell the truth. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. What is truth is a question that that we face also, that we have to come to, to terms with. And we don't have to look far or know very much to know that there are many answers to that question. And we hear them. We hear different answers. There are several views of truth. Some, some say, you know, really, there, is, uh, there, there isn't really anything you can say that is true. Even in uh, Pilate's day already, there was a philosophy. On, the only certainty is that nothing is certain. You know, that sounds kind of profound, but really it is, it is, it is silliness that the only thing man can know is that nothing can be known. So it's just theories, it's ideas, it's guesses about the, where life came from and the future and the meaning of life. So that's one view that we just can't really know. Then there are others who say, and you've heard this too, that there are many ways that lead home. That we each have to find our own truth and what may be true truth for you may not be truth for me. So the uh, Muslims, they bow toward Mecca and the Hindus, they they wade into the Ganges River and the American Indians, they worship the Great Spirit and the Buddhists and the Taoists and the Spiritists, they all have their ways of worshiping and Christianity is just, just, another, just another truth, in quotes, that uh, is among others and everybody will eventually arrive at the same place that many ways, there are many ways to get there, and one way is not more valid than the other. Then there is uh, a third perspective, and that is that there is one truth and only one truth. And Christianity is in that category. We certainly believe that, but we're not the only ones who believe that only we have the truth. You know, the Muslims say Allah is God. Everyone else is infidels. And we know of other groups that hold very strongly to their own beliefs. Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that only as a Jehovah's Witness would you have any assurance. So how can we be sure? How can we know who is right and in this confused world, we know. 
I, I believe that we're here this morning as a people that uh, know, that have a, have a strong confidence where the truth is, that the truth was standing before Pilate O oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. God is truth. And God desires for man to know the truth, to hear the truth. And so he speaks. Earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. From the song of Moses we read, He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he, a God of truth. And the God of truth has spoken. The God of truth spoke in the Gospels. And he has spoken through his word. He has spoken to us. He is the source of truth. There are spiritual certainties there are absolutes. God sent his son, the, the true light. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And the son said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the father, but by me. There is a clear answer to the question, what is truth? God has spoken. He has sent his son full of grace and truth. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is not just a signpost, but he is the life. He is the way, following him, uh, is the way and the life. Then why is there a question, what is truth? Why is there so much uh, darkness when the Lord has spoken? You'd think the truth should be apparent to, to everyone. But there are many on the broad way and few on the narrow way of, of truth, as we would understand it. In the first uh, chapter of John, the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Why did God find, why did Christ find a world so dark and so resistant to the light? Well, the Bible tells us that as well. From the fall in the garden to the last battle that we read about in Revelation we know, the Bible tells us that Satan, the deceiver, has, has battled against truth. With uh, propaganda, a campaign, an evil campaign against God and against all of earth's inhabitants. Yea, hath God said, he began in the garden, and uh, he was attacking the Satan, the serpent was attacking truth. And in Revelation 20, when, we, uh, when Satan is loosed, what did he do? Deceived the nations. 
after his defeat, the, uh, the deceiver will be cast into the lake of fire. And that will be the end of his influence. But his effects, is the effects of his influence from the beginning of man on the earth till the end of time, the effects of his influence will be eternal because many people have listened and followed and he is at work now. He is called the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He is the father of lies. These are things the scripture says about Satan. Many false teachers, prophets, apostles, all of those are spoken of by Paul, by John, and Jesus warned against those. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of many people. And he has a, he has a cooperative audience because a sinful man a sinful man is open to, uh, to the untruth, to Satan's lies. He even desires to hear Satan's lies. So the, the fallen man is deceitful and desperately wicked. His heart is bent away from God. He's already in bad shape and he likes sin. And he has his... Um, uh, Satan then adds his influence and his uh, allurements and temptations and suggestions in front of man who already likes that stuff and it pulls man, man goes toward it. He's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Uh, Paul wrote about people with itching ears that desire to hear a certain thing. And he says that they gravitate toward people that tell them what they want to hear. They heap to themselves teachers. And, and those tendencies can even, uh, can even show up in Christians to want to hear. Have you ever bought something? Well, you, you wanted something. And you did a little research and... Uh, checked some reviews and you know the more the more you want that item whatever it is the more you gravitate tend to gravitate toward the reviews that are positive uh, for that thing they they just seem to speak clearly and convincingly and you already kind of want it you know and so that's the way man can be and then after you've gotten it, uh, maybe it doesn't work quite as well as, as uh, you thought it was going to work and you go back and read those reviews again. Kind of reassuring, you know, to read those, how well it worked for other people. We need to be, we need to be careful. Jesus warned about false Christs, false prophets, he warned about signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Take heed that ye be not deceived. <clears throat> uh, 
Paul, in a couple of his letters, he was concerned about churches that he had ministered to, that he had begun and helped found. And uh, he wrote letters to them. Uh, to, to Corinth, he said, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And he also wrote to the Thessalonians and to others expressing his concern that they would be influenced by and deceived by false teachers. And Satan's deceptions, they usually uh, don't lead people astray just in a, a big lurch, you know, a sudden big lurch, but little by little, here a lie, there a lie, and people follow, little steps, little steps. Satan has big deceptions, he has little deceptions, but all of his deceptions are aimed at undermining uh, who Christ is, aimed at undermining God's holiness, the seriousness of man's sinfulness, undermining the, uh, the truth that there is judgment, minimizing sin to no sin. Nothing is sin. We want to be wise. We need to be careful. We need to be careful as we read. We need to be careful how we, when we listen. So how, how do we decide uh, what, what things do we consider when uh, determining truth? Can we by sincerity no, sincerity isn't enough. It may sound good, um, but Jesus, but Paul said in Second Corinthians about false apostles that they are deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of light. And no marvel, no surprise, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. For Christians, for, for uh, earnest Christians, the greatest danger for us really is not satanic cults. I think few of us would be, we, we would just be horrified at something like that. We could instantly recognize and back away from something uh, so so uh, uh, evil and obviously against God is that. There are people that are attracted to that, re rebels who are openly rebellious against God. But a greater danger for us is just the, uh, the dilution of, of Christianity, the barrage of very popular speakers and writers and teachers that include truth. But there's also, uh, hath God said, there's also a watering down of holiness, a confusion of works and liberty and 
so forth, and undermining uh, truth. In this, uh, in this passage, there are, Jesus spoke about two kingdoms. And in a lot of popular teaching, there is a, a mix of the kingdoms. We can't just determine by sincerity. We can't just write off somebody because they believe differently than we do. We are still learning truth. And God is guiding us toward a greater understanding. And other people are starting where they're at, uh, even Christians. Even Christians that wouldn't see the two kingdoms the way we see the two kingdoms and how that works out in the world. Can we determine by emotional effect? People can be swayed by moving services and and noise and uh, excitement and think they're having a wonderful experience and their emotions have been moved, but their spirits, maybe not so much. And when they go to work on Monday and through the week, they're not much different than the people that they work with. Can we decide what the truth is by experience? Some have done that, have weighed, given experience, their experience more weight than the word or interpreting the Bible by their own experience. My, my understanding would be that the second work of grace teaching would be one uh, that came partially that way at least. And... Uh, living a Christian life or a Christian life that came to a place of, of a great renewal and, and then finding in the scripture where there sh something should happen later. We become Christian then later, sometime, hopefully sometime, there will be a second work of grace. And we all need many works of grace and daily works of grace. One... Uh, one experience thing that was a little humorous, but it was serious in China. A, uh, a Christian a teacher. I, I don't remember all the details about this, but he, uh, and I don't know what he was doing at a well, but he fell into the well and it was a hand dug well. And it was fairly deep and uh, he fell into the well head first and got stuck. And a Christian would pray. He prayed. He prayed earnestly that somebody would find him and rescue him before it was too late. And he was rescued. But, and I don't know whether he then taught this or his followers taught this, but they felt that standing on your head was a more effective way to pray. I don't know what their prayer meetings looked like, can we decide that because something supernatural happens, that there's a display of power or spiritual gifts, does that, does that cement that this is uh, of the Lord? There's, there's a weakness among man, among men to be impressed with power and to bow 
to power. Simon the sorcerer had uh, people of Samaria in fear of him. He had bewitched them with sorceries. And yeah, there's, there's stories that could be told. Christians must watch. I'd like to think about some safeguards. We're not just thrown out here in the world uh, every day wondering what is truth? What is truth? Is it this? Is it that? Looking at this and following that and going here and going there. There are some safeguards that God has put here for us that we can consider. And one is just the fact that God is truth, the character of God. The character of God is a safeguard for us. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth. And the fact that God wants man to know truth, isn't that wonderful? That God wants man to know the truth. And we saw that verse from Jeremiah, O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. That would be his desire that we hear the truth. And the spirit of truth is here and will guide us into all truth, Jesus said. It has never been God's uh, purpose to deceive, to trick, to leave us in doubt. That's Satan's plan. That's his way of operating and he's the enemy of man's souls. But the character of God is a safeguard. It's a blessing to know that God, the God of truth, wants us to know the truth. Another important thing is uh, the character of the inquirer. The heart, the attitude in asking what is truth. And we need to check that about ourselves. Jesus said, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. We saw here in John 18. <clears throat> I don't know what your impression is of Pilate. Was he sincere when he asked and puzzled or was he cynical and skeptical? Um, we're not sure. The rich young ruler asked, what must I do? What is the truth? How can I find eternal life? He was troubled about this. But we know that there were things that he was really tied to his possessions. He wanted assurance, but he didn't like the sound of what Jesus told him. He wanted a little, a little wider, a little more room a broader way. You know, really his ears were itching for a different teacher. And so he left this teacher. He walked away from the truth. <clears throat> Other people ask in, in a, a better way. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? But you know, when you read John 3, you just sense that there's a difference in the way that Nicodemus asked his question from the way the rich young ruler asked his. Or the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? 
These men were sincere, they were earnest, and they were open, and they were willing. They wanted to, uh, to conform to it. Now, some of you have listened to uh, or read some of David Berceau's stories and uh, books. Uh, I, read, I listened to a CD of his, of his life. He told his story about his life, and, and he grew up. I didn't know this till I heard this CD, that he grew up a Jehovah's Witness. And he, uh, he became a Christian, he said, while he was a Jehovah's Witness. And it wasn't real long until he left that, that group. But he was a sincere seeker of what is the truth. And as it was revealed to him in the scriptures, he followed it. I met a young lady one time in another community. She was veiled and um, just a, a very sincere person. And I didn't know who she was. Her name was Sarah. And I didn't know anything about her. And uh, in chatting with her, I discovered uh, that she was a earnestly patriotic uh, fight for the God and country person. It just seemed like a, it was kind of jarring to see this sweet young lady, modestly dressed and veiled, and, uh, and a testimony for Christ, but earnestly ready to defend her country. But I don't know where she's at today. I think she um, lives in the West somewhere. And um, yeah, I wonder where she's at. She's a, a seeker. God loves the humble, the sincere, honest seeker. There are a number of other things we could talk about. We need to test the message by the Scripture. And what is the accepted body of truth that has stood the tests of time for history, through history? And we need to check the messengers. What are the characters? You know, one outstanding thing about Jesus' life and his uh, impressed me again today in our men's Sunday school class uh, is the character of Jesus. And you know how trials and tribulations often bring out our true character? Well, it, Jesus was the same. And the, the character of Jesus shown even through the darkest hour. Check out the messengers. What kind of fruit is in the messenger's life? What is his life showing? Is he showing a holy life or is he showing a lot of the world in his life and in his teaching? The counsel of the brothers is a blessing and a safeguard. You know, one of the biggest safeguards is our own is our own relationship, our own personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the time that we spend with the word of truth. And 
Not too long ago, I was listening to somebody talk about uh, information. And he was studying um, uh, about information from a Christian perspective. You know, how should we, how should we approach information? That's something I've thought about too. And there, is, there are just vast, vast amounts of information available and available at the click of a mouse. Libraries full from around the world. You can get the news and find out what's happening in Australia, in Russia, in China, in Lynchburg. The weather, you can find information on health, on history, on hobbies, on horses, and those are just a few H things. There are many, just countless things that you can find information about and spend a lot of time uh, learning about or just satisfying curiosity or just for the pleasure and enjoyment or whatever. But you know, these things aren't equal. Information isn't equal, of equal value. Some of it is evil. A lot of it is evil. Some of it is neutral. It's not bad. It's not necessarily uh, edifying or inspirational or spiritual, but it's not wicked. It doesn't incite evil. It's neutral. There's lots of that. Spend a lot of time on a day like today reading the weather if you want to. Reading articles about the weather. There are blogs about the weather. There are people that are trying to predict the weather and studying uh, computer models of the weather and trying to figure it out. It's kind of fascinating as a storm approaches. But there is other information that is critical to life. And that is the word of truth that Jesus came to offer us. And I, in thinking about this, I thought of a parallel uh, that there are gases that are floating around that we around us, and some are poisonous. Carbon monoxide is a poisonous gas. It's found in, in exhaust from, chim- uh, from smoke from chimneys, burning things car exhaust, and it's poisonous, carbon monoxide. You can't smell it, but it's deadly. You breathe it, breathe enough of it, it'll kill you. And uh, I I read somewhere recently that what it does, it gets into the blood, you breathe it, and it gets into the lungs, of course, where air goes, and it, uh, it attaches itself to the hemoglobin in the bloodstream and goes through the body, and the, and the bond that it forms with the hemoglobin is over 200 times stronger than, uh, than oxygen. And so it fastens there and just replaces the oxygen in the body. And the, the, the body can't live without oxygen. That's what, what kills a person. And just last month, you know, there was a snowstorm that went through and in Baltimore, there was a father and his son 
cleaning snow away, digging their car away from, uh, out of the snow. Uh, a uh, snow plow had gone by and pushed snow in front and behind and around the car, and they were digging it out. And it was a cold day, and, and the boy, 14 or 15 years old, uh, hopped into the car to warm up. And unbeknownst to him and the dad, the, uh, the uh, exhaust pipe was plugged with snow. And so as the car was running, the exhaust wasn't coming out the back, and carbon monoxide was filling the car, and the boy didn't know it. And when the father discovered him, he was already beyond help, and he, he died. Uh, carbon monoxide is poisonous, and evil is poisonous. There's also, uh, there are other gases that are neutral. Carbon dioxide, as I understand, is, is neutral. It doesn't, it, it's not a poison. You know, we breathe it every breath. It's, uh, in fact, there's more carbon dioxide, I think I'm right, in the air than oxygen, I think, proportionally. But we breathe it, and it floats in, it floats out. We breathe in oxygen, we, we breathe out uh, carbon dioxide, matter of fact. It's neutral. But if we get too much carbon dioxide so that we're not getting enough oxygen, that can kill people too. We have to have oxygen. And if the oxygen level is too low in the air, um, then there are symptoms. I don't know, what would some of the symptoms be, Brother Dan? Sleep. Sleepiness. Coma. And it's not, it doesn't kill you except that it's depriving you of the oxygen that you need. It's, uh, and that, that's, uh, okay, so it's deadly in that way. But uh, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a poison like carbon monoxide. It's a neutral gas. And so, you know, if we take too much time with all of this neutral information and get a low proportion, too low a proportion of the life-giving information, it's going to hurt us. We get sleepy. We don't see things as clear spiritually. We have to have oxygen. We have to have the truth. And not just know the truth, but commune with the truth, live the truth, become a life of truth. That is the uh, greatest safeguard against the pollution of falsehood. Pilate asked an excellent question. What is truth? As far as we know, we don't know that he ever found the truth. There are different stories and legends about what happened to Pilate and whether he ever heard, ever did connect with the truth. You know, this morning we've looked at the truth. We know where the truth is found 
we know who the truth is. And let's uh, guard ourselves. Let's breathe the breath, the truth of life so we can live and grow and become like the Savior. Let's have a closing song.